Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 3. Have you ever been so utterly embarrassed and ashamed that you wanted to crawl up in a hole and die? That's exactly how I felt the following Monday at George Washington Carver Middle School. Even though it was a Monday, I affectionately renamed it Hell Day. Hell. That's what Jason tried to put my ass through that day. He went to school, obviously still feeling the sting from my refusal to go with his ass, and told everyone he could get to listen that I was on my period. Looking back, I realized it wasn't such a horrible insult. After all, periods are periods, and all women have them just like all women have coochies in the first place. Periods are a fact of life. Um, <clears throat> book was made in the 90s. All women don't have coochies. I couldn't relate to that philosophy in the 8th grade, though. For me, it was a traumatic experience to have all the boys pointing at me while I walked down the crowded hallways between classes. The girls weren't any better, giggling and snickering behind my back like they didn't already have them on a monthly basis or, for the late bloomers, weren't ever planning on getting them. The nerve of the heifers. By the time lunch period rolled around... I was doing battle with a migraine and contemplating taking Jason out in the parking lot so I could whoop his ass in front of the entire student body. I got my tray of slop. That's exactly what school lunches were. Slop. One of the local network news stations did an investigative report about school lunches and discovered that most prisoners in the United States ate more nutritious meals than school children. That's a damn shame. But I deemed it a true statement, even though I had never seen the inside of a penitentiary. Usually, I sat smack right in the middle of the cafeteria, but not that day. I took my ass over to an empty table in the far corner, hoping I would become invisible to my peers. After taking a bite of the cheeseburger I had selected over the pepperoni pizza and egg salad sandwich, I spit it back out in a napkin. I couldn't even deal. It tasted more like a rat than a cow. I wondered if the city of Atlanta had devised a sneaky, underhanded method to get rid of the rodent overpopulation. I glanced over towards the serving station and noticed Brina standing there, surveying the room in an effort to locate me. We didn't have any morning class together that semester, but we always ate lunch together, come hell or high water. I stood up just long enough to flail my arms in the air. Once I saw her acknowledge my presence with a nod, I quickly sat back down. She came over and plopped her tray down across from me, throwing her legs over the bench one at a time to sit down. Zoe, why are you sitting all the way over here, she asked, confused. Everyone else at our regular table. 
Haven't you heard? I whispered, diverting my eyes from hers and trying to hold back a tear. Heard what? Jason's trick ass been going around school telling everybody I'm on my period and that I had a sanitary napkin at the party Friday night, I blurted out, ashamed to even speak the words. Brenda started falling out laughing. She laughed so hard she had to take a swig of her iced tea to prevent herself from hyperventilating. This shit's not even funny, Brenda, I hissed, ready to smack her ass for betraying me. If I was upset, she damn well better be too. I'm sorry, she stated adamantly, holding her stomach and sucking in air in an effort to calm down. But it's not like you're the only girl in school with a period. Like I told you the other night, I've been having them for two years now. That's you, I said, smacking my gums and crossing my arms over my chest. Besides, when you started your periods, you didn't have a knucklehead running around school telling every damn body. You're right. My bad. Jason should be ashamed of himself for doing this to you. I'm going to tell him off when I see him. Nah, that's okay. That's my job. I'm going to fix his ass, but good. A look of worry overshadowed Brina's face. What's wrong with you, Brina? Nothing. I hate it when people tell me nothing. Now tell me what you're thinking about. It's just that when I started my period, I was big time embarrassed too. That's why I never mentioned it, even to you. The only person I ever told was my mother so I can get some napkins from her. She didn't care though. She was drunk that night. She just threw a bag of stay free at me and slammed her bedroom door. I was speechless. I had become suspicious about Brina's mother and alcohol about a year before, but never asked any questions. This was the first time Brina had come straight out and admitted it. I reached over the table and took her hand. You want to talk about it? No, she replied abruptly, tearing the plastic wrapper off her utensil packet. There's nothing to talk about. I decided to leave well enough alone. I sat there, pretending to be enthralled in my side dish selection of succotash, but I was really trying to think of another subject. I wanted to discuss anything except Jason, and Brina wanted to discuss anything except her mother. Zoe, what's up, gal? I whiffed the air and knew who it was without even looking up over my shoulder. Could the day get any worse? Hell yeah, it just did. Mm-mm-mm. You just looking too fine for words, baby. Lyle Harris was by far the ugliest boy in school. We had never taken a vote on the issue, but trust me, his ass was ugmo. He was skinny, short, high yellow with red zits all over his face, and thought he was an extra for the movie House Party with the high top fade he was trying to sport. On top of all that, he stank big time. You could smell his ass coming a mile away. He was in my geometry class. And the teacher, Mr. Wilson, always had to crack a window during a sixth period to try and air out some of Lyle's au natural body fumes. I didn't even give him the courtesy of an obligatory glance. What you want, Lyle? He sat down beside me on the bench and almost passed the hell out. Brina started holding her nose. I wanted to puke. Listen here, Zoe, he said, rubbing his grubby fingers up and down my right arm. I heard you a woman now. A real woman. I knocked his hand away. Keep your paws off me, Ren Tin Tin. Brina giggled. So did I. He threw his hands out and the central air conditioning system got a hold of his underarm stench, redirecting it my way. All right, you want to play me like that, huh? I egged him. That means ignore, ladies and gentlemen, just to be certain. I know some of you are white. I just wanted to holler at you. I was wondering if you wanted to go to a movie or something this weekend. That new Lethal Weapon joint is coming out, and I figured you might want to check it out. I glared at him then, though that was a task. You can't be serious. Besides, your armpits are already hollering at me. Those bad boys are screaming. I'm dead serious, he grinned at me, and I almost lost my stomach contents for real. His gums were jet black. 
I want to get to know you better with your fine ass. Brina fell out laughing. Lyle, why do you have to pick today of all days to get up in my face? I snapped at him. I'm not even in the mood for your drama. Like I said, I heard you a woman now. I figure by this weekend you might be off those pads and we can do a little something something. That did it. He obviously didn't know who he was messing with. I picked up my train through the whole thing in his ugly ass face. The hell you going to do that shit for? I warned you to leave me alone. I got her from the table. Come on, Brina. Let's jet. The air is mighty foul around here. We walked away from him. People were teasing his ass with no mercy. I felt no remorse. He asked for it. We were halfway out of the cafeteria when I spotted Jason and Chandler sitting at a table with their clique. Hold up, Brina, I said, yanking Brina backwards by the elbow. I have something to take care of. Oh, hell, Zoe. Brina tried to drag me in the opposite direction. Just drop it already. Jason has had his fun and the day is halfway over. By tomorrow, everybody will forget all about it. As we approached their table, I heard Chandler bragging about trying out for the cheerleading squad later that week. She was positive not only that she would make it, but that she would be the captain. I'm so pretty, I know Miss Whedon will pick me as a captain, she boasted. A couple of the other girls at the table looked away, probably wanting to slap the hell out of her. I felt the same way. She was the most uppity Miss Thing in the school, most tolerated her, but very few truly liked her. She leaned over and pecked Jason on her lips. Baby, will you come to the trials and cheer me on? I know you'll make captain of the basketball team again this year. We'll be the top couple in the school. Oh, I don't know, Jason replied. I really need to get some things done around the house Wednesday afternoon. My mom's been after me to sandpaper and repaint the shutters for months now. Why can't your daddy do it, Chandler pouted, hoping to win Jason over. You know my daddy always works late, Jason replied. Besides, I like doing things with my hands. Zoe's daddy has taught me a lot about building things. Chandler smacked her lips and rolled her eyes. Zoe? Yes, I replied. Everyone noticed my arrival at the same time. All eyes were on me, but my eyes were drilling a hole through Jason's skank ass. Brina made one last attempt to bring me back to my senses. Come on, Zoe, she insisted, yanking on my arm. This isn't even worth it. You might get in serious trouble. Lyle's already fuming. You and Jason can settle this at home. Jason stood up, trying to strike an intimidating pose and inquired, You have a problem with me, Zoe? I wanted to call him every name in the book. I wanted to cuss his ass out, but when he looked at me, all I could think about was how luscious his lips looked. I slapped him clear across him. Chandler jumped up. Oh no, you didn't just hit my man. Jason held his hand over her mouth. Zoe, I'm sick of you and your damn hitting. What did I tell you on Saturday? I saw a window of opportunity and decided to take it. Yeah, what did you tell me on Saturday? Saturday? You saw her on Saturday? Chandler asked, a perplexed expression on her face. Yeah, we lived right across the street from each other, remember? He darted his eyes back and forth from me to her, probably trying to decide which one to deal with first. Then he stared me down with those sexy-ass eyes of his. I told you to stop hitting all up on me Saturday. Was this before or after you asked me to be your girlfriend? Because I don't quite recall. Jason's mouth dropped open. He was busted. Chandler looked like she was struggling for her next breath, and her stylish girlfriends didn't have a clue what to say. I'd embarrass her ass, but good. Brenna intervened. Jason asked you to go with him? She started blushing from ear to ear like he had asked her. You didn't tell me that, girl. Cordell, Jason's best friend, decided to throw his two cents in. You asked that girl to go with you, man? 
He looked at Chandler, who still looked lost like a whore in church, and guffawed. Oh, snap! He played you big time, Chandler! I was anticipating Jason would deny the whole thing so I could recite the conversation word for word and truly humiliate him. Much to my amazement, he did no such thing. I did ask you to go with me, and you turned me down, right? Jason and I gaped at each other while Cordell kept Joan and Chandler. Dang, I always knew those two liked each other. I debated about what to say. I wanted to tell him I did long to be his hoochie. Hoorah, hoorah, hoochie mom! Sorry. Partially because I wanted to teach Chandler a lesson, but mostly because I was fiending for his touch. The words left my mouth before I thought them through clearly. Of course I told your skank ass no. He stared down at the floor, obviously hurt. I wanted to reach out and caress his cheek so badly, but I remember Lyle and his, I hear you a woman now speech. I told you no, and you decided to go spread my business all over the school, I persisted. That was very childish, even for you, Jason. I'm sorry, Zoe, he pleaded, unable to look me in the face. You're right. I shouldn't have done it. I, I was just furious is all. To this very day, I don't know where they came from, but the next second, tears were gushing down both my cheeks. I hate you, Jason. Just stay the hell away from me. I started to back away from him almost tripping over someone's backpack on the floor by the table. Stay away from me. Stay away from my house. Stay away from my daddy. I hate your guts. I ran out of the cafeteria with Brina fast on my heels. I sought refuge in the girl's bathroom, standing over one of the sinks crying while Brina rubbed the small on my back. Neither one of us said anything for a few moments. Zoe, I realize you're upset, but you and I know that Jason wants to be with you. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that you feel the same way, so why not stop all this foolishness and get together finally? I looked at her reflection in the mirror through tear-drenched eyes. Jason goes with Chandler. Yeah, but he made it painfully obvious just now that he would dump her in a heartbeat for you. She's probably out there going off right now on his ass. I couldn't help but laugh, picturing it in my mind. I hoped she was getting him good in front of everyone. He deserted after what he did to me. Brina? Have you forgotten that I go with Muhammad? I asked, realizing I almost forgot about him my damn self. I didn't forget, but you and Jason belong together. Drop that zero and get yourself a hero. I laughed. No, she wasn't using that played out line on me. Look, I'm not feeling too good right now, I confess, turning to face Brina. I think I'm going to go see the school nurse and tell her I need to go home. Brina brushed a strand of hair back that was dangling in my face. Are you okay? Yeah, just stomach cramps, I replied. After all, I'm on my period. We both fell out laughing. I felt much better by the time Brina headed to her afternoon classes, but I went to the nurse and faked sick anyway. I had endured enough drama for one day. My mother picked me up out front, a look of worry shadowing her face. You okay, baby? She inquired, rubbing my arm after I got in the car. You want to go see Dr. Hill? Mama, it's not that big of a deal. Just cramps for my period. The worry lines on her forehead dissipated a little. Oh, all right. Let's get you home so you can go straight to bed. I'll fix you some hot soup and a pot of tea with lemon. Thanks, Mama. I turned up the radio, pushing the preset button till I found some decent music, as opposed to that classical crap my mother always listened to in the car. No problem, baby. She patted my knee as she pulled out from the parking lot. It's not every day my baby gets her first period. This is a big event. I thought about Jason's big-ass mouth broadcasting it and muttered, If only you knew. Later that evening, my daddy brought up a dinner tray with roast beef, potatoes, carrots, and greens. 
Hey, princess. Hey, daddy. I was so happy to see him. He always enhanced my mood. How was your day? Just fine, he replied, setting the tray down on my nightstand. We're having a little bit of trouble getting the beam situated for the top floor, but we'll get it straight in the morning. That's cool. I looked over at the tray and noticed a bunch of small daffodils crammed beside the plate. Oh, daddy, you picked me flowers. He chuckled, flashing his cinematic smile at me. Actually, those are from Jason. Jason? That trick ass? I covered my mouth, realizing my slip. Zoe, what did I tell you about using profanity? I'm sorry, Daddy, I pouted. Jason just makes me plain old sick sometimes. You have no idea what he did to me today. Yes, I do. He told me everything. He did? My daddy nodded, trying to suppress a smile, and I was too through. My first period was becoming the event of the freaking century. I didn't even want my daddy to know I had one. Uh-huh. Sounds like another lover spat to me. I popped him gently on the arm. I hate him, daddy. Hate is a very strong word. He picked up the flowers and held them out to me. Besides, he can't be all that bad. He sent me up here with these flowers and his apology. Apology? Indeed. Jason's extremely sorry about spreading your private business all over the school. Well, I don't even want to hear that, I hissed. He could just forget about me ever speaking to him again. Is that so? No question. My daddy pulled a crumpled piece of notebook paper out of his shirt pocket and set it down the blank beside me. He must be a mind reader then, because he wrote you a letter. I didn't say another word. I couldn't find any words to say. Part of me was dying to read the note in hopes that it would declare his love for me. The other part was afraid it would be disappointing. My daddy kissed me on the cheek and headed towards the door. Good night, sweetheart. Good night, daddy. He hesitated once he got out into the doorway. By the way, if you should decide to talk to Jason, he and I will be down in the garage for the next couple of hours. I almost jumped out of my skin. He's over here? Now? In this house? Yep, he sure is. We're working on that china cabinet I promised your mother for the dining room. With that, he closed the door, and I heard his footsteps going down the stairs. I sat there for a few moments, trying to drown myself in the episode of Miami Vice that was on. As fine as Philip Michael Thomas was back in those days, it was no use. I had nose in the note. I slowly unfolded the paper, smoothing out the creases as I went along. Zoe, I know you're pissed at me. I was wrong to do what I did. Please forgive me. It's just that I like you so much and you hurt my feelings the other day. You probably don't care since you've hated me since you moved here. Chandler was mad at me today. I told her the truth though. I told her I wanted to go with you. She said I should stay with her because you would never date me anyway. Is that true? Are you still seeing that Muhammad dude? The Muslim with the raggedy car? If so, I'll leave you alone. Either way, please accept my apology. I'll see you at school tomorrow. Or maybe we can go roller skating into a movie this weekend. I can ask my mother to drive us and pick us up. Love always. Jason. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but I swear I didn't take a breath for at least five minutes. Jason and I were going to be together. Fuck a Muhammad. Fuck a Chandler. I was going to accept his apology and tell him I wanted to go with him the very next day, or there wasn't a dog in the entire state of Georgia. So, no, we're not surprised, Zane. We're not surprised, Zoe, because you get married to him. Like, look, my big problem with origin stories is I already know how it's going to go. So this is the origin story, and I already know how it's going to end. So this whole first part is like, yeah, okay, cool, that's great. Get to the fucking not of the kids. 
That's just nasty. But turn into an adult so we can get to the part where you're addicted and shit. Like, I don't need half this book to be about you and Jason when you were growing up as kids. I could have read an Omar Tyree book for that. Or a, or a Eric Jerome Dickey book. Or a uh, Kamala um, Kimberla uh, Lawson Roby book for that. This is Zane. Give me pussy. Like... I'm being real. Like, I'm getting my jokes in, but at the same time, nigga, why are we on the fourth chapter and we're still talking about you as a kid? Get back to you and whatever addiction you had to another guy. To the sex. This is Zane. I promise these niggas results. You let me down, Zane. I'm not happy right now. I'm going to push through it, though. Chapter four. All of the dogs must have gone further south with the birds because I'd never got the opportunity to accept Jason's apology. I fully intended to. I put on my most provocative, hoochie-fied outfit I could find in my 13-year-old closet. It was a tight pink leotard with some form-fitting black capri pants. I went to school the next day on a mission to get my man, Chandler or no Chandler. I planned to pull Jason aside at lunchtime and tell him I did want to go with him, wherever the hell it was he wanted to go when he asked me to go with him. I sprayed on some cotton candy scented body spray, put on some cherry-flavored lip gloss, and pinned my hair so I would look older and sexier. I even folded my white bobby socks down as far as they could go so I could show off a little leg. I remember when I asked somebody to go with me. Content warning, I was immature as fuck and I had girl cousins. So, I asked this girl at my school to go with me. At that point in time, I think I was in like... Fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, had no real idea what it meant. I just heard my brother talking about going with somebody. So I asked this girl to go with me. And she said, well, I would, but another guy already asked me to go with him. So uh, y'all going to have to compete for my love. And I was like, the fuck? I didn't say the fuck because it was a Christian school, but the fuck? Like, what the fuck do you mean I'm about to compete for your love? She said the two of us needed to go up on the top of the, um, not the, not the jungle gym. No, it was the jungle gym. What the monkey bars? It was, it was the jungle gym where they have it stacked up into like a pyramid almost. And it's bars you got to climb up and all that kind of shit. So she wanted us to compete for her love. I guess she had visions of this all her fucking life. And this is as close she was going to get in her fifth grade year of life. So what me and this other kid did was we climbed up to the top of the jungle gym and whoever climbed up to the top and got down the fastest got to go out with this girl. So she said, go, go. And we took off and I'm climbing up the jungle gym and I'm looking and he's not near me. And I'm feeling good because in my mind, the music is playing. You know, the fucking music. So I get up to the top and he's not near me still, but he's gaining on me a little bit. And that's when I turn around and realize I'm a little bit afraid of heights. So I'm still afraid of heights. Uh, later on in my life, a plane that I was on almost crashed. It literally plummeted out the sky. That didn't help shit. But now I really don't like heights. But back then I realized just a little bit, this kind of high. 
And so I froze up just for a second, which was enough time for this other kid to climb up the jungle gym and be beside me. And he started to climb back down. And I was mad that I couldn't get past my fear to climb back down. So I shoved the fucker. Like, petty, yes. Could have hurt him, yes. Might have got injured a little bit, yes. Didn't give a fuck. I shoved him, and it felt great. Until the motherfucker landed on the ground before me in a crumpled heap, and the girl said, the winner! And they went together. For like three days, because it's fucking fifth grade. But still, they went together. And that broke my heart. So then I asked another girl if she would go with me, because I didn't give a fuck. There was really no commitment to this shit. It was just, go with me, go with me, go with me. So I asked another girl if she would go with me. And she turned to me and said, go where? And I don't know if she was being obtuse or if she was just really not knowing where what that meant. Because I didn't know until my brother said it to me. But just to be safe, I had my girl cousin beat her up. I was on my way to the cafeteria to put my plan into action when the guidance counselor, Mr. Turner, grabbed me gently by the wrist and asked me to follow him to his office. I couldn't imagine what he wanted to talk to me about. Then I narrowed it down to throw on the tray of food and wild, stinky face the day before. I was all set to defend myself, but I froze when we walked into his office and my mother was sitting in one of the brown metal chairs, crying her eyes out. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I should have told y'all that I guessed that her dad was going to die. My bad. Like, hold on. Niggas usually die after they make promises in books. Or after they set something up for the future. Or when they drop jewels that are just too tight. And this nigga did all three in the last chapter. So, bars. Bye. So, yeah. Kind of guessed it. Forgot to say it out loud. I'm mad at myself. I hate when I don't say it out loud that something's going to fucking happen. Because then when it fucking happens, it looks like I'm just trying to reap the benefits of, you know, after the fact. Oh, I knew that shit was going to happen. Nah, nigga. I knew that shit was going to happen. I'm not saying I'm smarter than y'all. I just know that there's a lot of fucking tropes in books. And that's one. If somebody makes a promise for the future and it's a black book, nigga's going to die. Or get arrested. Depending on what type of a black book it is. Okay, she's crying her eyes out. Let's go. I only half listened while she explained my father's death to me. I remember hearing the words still beaming, construction site, and accidental release. Right. That was the warning statement. That was the future statement. When he said, we're having a bit of trouble getting the beam situated for the top floor, but we'll get it straight in the morning. Mm-mm, no. No, you won't. You're going to die. Painfully. I remember hearing the word still beam at construction site and accidental release. It didn't seem real. After all, my father had brought me a tray of food up to my room just the night before, teasing me about Jason and delivering his note. I remembered his smile, what he had on, what he smelled like, everything. Yet, in the blink of an eye, he was gone, and my life would never be the same. Ironically, the death of my father is what finally bridged the gap between Jason and I. Jason had become extremely attached to my father during the years he got to know him and was crushed when he heard the news. He came over to our house that evening, and while all the adults tried to comfort my mother, he comforted me. We sat out on the front stoop, and he held me for what seemed like hours. We both shed tears all over each other and talked about the happy memories we had of my father. Jason said he was determined to finish the china cabinet he and my father had been building together. He kept his word a month later, and my mother still cherishes it to this very day. 
The day of my father's funeral was rainy and dreary. Several of his friends and family members came from far and near. It was all a blur to me. I barely made it through the service, especially when his brother, my uncle Winslow, a minister from Houston, gave the eulogy. He talked extensively about their childhood antics. Hearing things about my father that I never knew saddened me to the point of complete withdrawal. Jason held one of my hands at the graveside, and Brina held the other. When it was time to leave in the limousine with my mother and the rest of my father's immediate family members, I let go of their hands and never looked back. I just wanted to be alone in my misery. For months, I kept myself whenever possible. I would come straight home from school. I dropped out of all my extracurricular activities and instructed my mother to tell Brina, Jason, and whoever else I was busy when they called. It was Jason who was a persistent one, though. He wouldn't take no for an answer. He often came over to visit me, and we were actually civilizing one another. It was a great feeling. He was the only person my age I remotely felt like being around, probably because I was head over heels in love with him. My mother was now a single parent, just like Brina's mother, and had to take on a second job to make ends meet. I felt so bad about it, but I wasn't old enough to get a real job. I babysat whenever I could for people in the neighborhood. Being around infants and toddlers were cool because they didn't ask me a lot of questions. I made yet another promise to myself. I swore one day I would take care of my mother and make sure money and comfort were always present in her life. That's wild, because I promised myself that one day I was going to put my mama in a home. Now that I'm like in my the twilight of my life, the, 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 the midlife crisis years, I realized it was fucking rude. It was really mean for me to do that and promise it and sew it into my head so then I would remember it. But you got to understand, I was three years old and she took me to a uh, preschool, a, a daycare and, and dropped me off. And I screamed and I begged and I was like, mama, please take me home. Just take me home. Just take me home with you. Mama, please take me home. And I was crying and I was, I think I held onto her leg. I don't remember all the minute details, but I was like, please take me home with you. And she was like, no, I got to go to work, Derek. I got to go to work. And I didn't realize at that time that she was probably fucking crying too. I don't fucking remember. I was three, but I remember vividly telling her when I get old enough, I'm going to put you in a home. And in my mind, I thought that was when I was going to be like 20. When I was 20, I was going to put my mom in a home. My mom was about 28 when I was that when I said that. And I was three, which means she would have been about 47. Give or take. In home. Yeah, you're going. I was ready for that shit. I was so ready. Until one day I grew up and realized she was in a home. She owned it. She had bought it. It was hers. I can't fucking take you out of a home and put you in a home. So now I just sit and wait patiently for her to forget something. Mom, is your memory going? Hmm? Hmm? Mom, what did I say to you yesterday? Hmm? Hmm? Oh, it's too late. Guards! No, I'm just kidding. I love my mom to death. I would never put her in a fucking home. But when I was a kid, it was on the table. The topic was there. If somebody would have fucking listened to me, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Moms would have been homebound. Homework bound like that dog and that cat. And I'm not talking about Milo and Otis either. Summer came, and I was sitting on the front porch steps one night. It was a clear night, and the stars were so beautiful. 
I was always fascinated with stars, and my eyes were so fixed on that night, I didn't see Jason approaching me until he was less than 10 feet away from me. What are you doing, Zoe? He sat down on the step below the one I was sitting on and leaned his elbow beside my thigh. Nigga, you see her looking at the stars? It's rocket science? Looking at the stars? I moved over on the step a little, away from his hand, because even a slight touch from him made me yearn for him. Sometimes I close my eyes and imagine myself floating up amongst the stars. I feel weightless and it's such a weird feeling. Yet, it makes me feel so relaxed. It's incredible. I darted my eyes down to his and noticed he was just looking at me like I had lost my fucking mind. I'm sorry, Jason. I know I must sound plumb foolish. No, not at all. Tell me more about them, Zoe. He sensed my hesitation. Please, I really want to learn about astronomy. For the next 10 or 15 minutes, I pointed out every constellation I could recognize of Jason, including the Little Dipper, Big Dipper, and Ursa Minor, the bear. I was surprised he actually seemed to be interested in them. You see that bright star over there? The North Star, this is where they kiss. I pointed as if my fingertip could land directly upon it. Yes, I see it. It's beautiful. Just like you. I started blushing and placed my hands between my thighs, clamped them shut and pretended to look down the street at an approaching car. I wonder if that's my mother. I knew it wasn't, but was trying to change the subject. I wasn't even prepared for the beautiful comment. Once the car passed, I continued. No, that's not her. Anyway, I renamed the star after my father, Peter. That's too cool. Thanks. Jason eased up and sat on the same step as me, pressing his leg against mine. I instantly started shaking, and my knees started going back and forth. Years later, I began to understand my sexuality better, and I realized I was deliberately causing friction on my clip because I was horny. Nigga, you... 13. I, I know, I know young girls and boys at that age, young teenagers, young whatever, they go through puberty and all of a sudden they have these changes and these feelings and everything. I just don't want to read about it. I don't. I don't. Like, I know it's just a book and yeah, what the fuck ever, but I don't. One day, I'm going to have a little boy and I'm going to name him Peter. Maybe we can make him together. He reached over and started rubbing his fingers up and down my leg. I tried to jump up, but he stopped me and put his arm around me. Don't run away from me, Zoe. Let's talk. About what? I was frozen like a popsicle. I couldn't move right at that moment if my life depended on it. Which one of those stars is ours? Ours? Yes, ours. Let's pick a star and make it our own special star. For always. I looked him in his sexy hazel eyes and wanted to kiss him so bad, but didn't have the nerve. How about that one over there? You see it? I had no idea which one he meant, because I was too busy looking at him. Yes! Cool. So that'll be our star. Jason and Zoe's star. The kiss began so fast, it took me off guard. It was the first French kiss of my life, and I will never forget it. How? How? I don't remember my first... Do you remember your first kiss? I do not. I do not. Like, are you supposed to? Oh, I remember my first French kiss and my first lip-to-lip kiss. And I remember the first time I... No. What? Okay. Maybe it's because she's saying this is a 13-year-old. She thinks she's going to remember it all her life. You ain't going to remember it past 18. And also, I just want to say, for the record, 
I know there's a lot of people out there. Well, there's not a lot of people out there, but there's probably a, a good number of people out there who get married to their childhood sweetheart, the people that they met in elementary school or middle school and fell in love, whatever. That's cool. I just feel like fucking one person for your entire life is really fucking boring. Maybe that's why she started cheating and started stepping out because she was having sex with one person from the time she was hopefully older than 13 until. And then she met somebody who was exciting and jazzy and spicy or whatever it may be. And she was like, okay, this is what I want now. Bodies change. Minds change. Libidos change. That's cool. I just feel like I'm fucking right. That's it. His tongue was thick and soft and penetrated my mouth after practically having to pry it open. Ew. That's a horrible description of a tongue. Thick and soft. Oh my god, that sounds like moist. Hmm. Once I was able to relax, it was great, outstanding, miraculous, the bomb diggity. I know that this is the 13 year old talking about this, but still, grow the fuck up. Want to go inside your house? Jason stopped kissing me abruptly after a few minutes and made the suggestion. I just sat there with my mouth hanging open and a sweet saliva all over my lips. He stood up, took me by the hand and started pulling me up to my feet. Come on, let's go inside a while. We are standing in the doorway, tonguing the hell out of each other with my arms over his shoulders and his around my hips. Inching me farther into the house, his hard dick pressing up against my wet pussy through my jeans. When my mother pulled into the driveway, can we not, can we not have these segments, these sections, these times, these moments? I have no, baby, come here. This book is talking about a little girl being in love, but it's a 13 year old talking about pussies and clits and shit. Am I wrong to feel uncomfortable? No, but I mean, I guess 13 year olds do have those thoughts. Yeah, but this is the, I don't need to read about them. Well, you're reading a book. Yeah, that's true. I love you, baby. That's my boo. So, his hard dick pressing up against my wet pussy through our jeans when my mother pulled into the driveway. We tried our best to play it off. Jason put his hands in his back pockets and I crossed my arms in front of me, trying to pretend like we were just standing there having a casual conversation. I'll talk to you later, Zoe, Jason blurted out as he began to walk away. He waved to my mother as she was getting out of the car and managed to soft, Hey. Hey, Mom, have a good day at work? I moved out of the doorway so she can get in with the bag of groceries she was carrying. Let me take that to the kitchen. Sure. She handed me the bag, and I started making my way towards the kitchen. I almost made it, too, without getting busted. By the way, Zoe, I saw that. I turned around, getting ready to fabricate a story, but she wasn't even looking at me. She was flipping through the mail from that day, so I left well enough alone. That's sometimes the best option, just like... Shut the fuck up. You keep talking. You can, you can, what we didn't know when we were younger that we know now is you could talk yourself into a punishment. Sometimes they're just stating it. If you argue it though, all right, let's do this. While I was putting away the groceries, I started wondering what would have happened between Jason and me if my mother hadn't shown up right then. I wondered if he was experienced and hoped like all hell he wasn't. I wanted to be his first. After I went to bed and made sure my mother was fast asleep, I masturbated for the first time. I didn't know what to do exactly, and to this day, I'm not sure whether or not I actually came. All I know is that thinking about Jason and feeling on myself at the same time made me feel damn good. Well, 
I finally got my man, and Chandler got pushed to the curb. Jason told her the truth, that he and I were an item. She took it hard, but I didn't care. That summer was the greatest one of my entire life. Jason and I spent almost every day together. We never did the nasty, though. As it turned out, he was still a virgin and was not completely ready to do it, so we didn't. We used to hold hands and hug and neck heavily. He wouldn't let it go any farther, so I began to masturbate on a regular basis. <sighs> I assume masturbating at such a young age was probably strange, but I had no idea there were underlying reasons for it. What I did not know then, but realized all too well now, is that my battle with sexual addiction had already begun. Really? Huh. Okay. Chapter 5. Things were going great between Jason and me. Just think, my soulmate had been staring me in my face all these years without me even suspecting it. I was still completely devastated over my father's death. Lord knows no one and nothing could ever take his place. Jason helped me through it, though. We spent every second we could spare together. After school, we did our homework together unless Jason had practice. If he did, I would sit in the bleachers and wait for him. Chandler couldn't stand me being there. As far as all concerned, that was her personal problem. I'm surprised her eyes didn't end up permanently crossed from rolling them back and forth in her head at me so damn much. A couple of times, she almost fell flat on her ass during cheerleader practice because she was so busy trying to diss me. Meanwhile, Muhammad was still trying. I had to give it to the brother. He didn't give up on love easily. I tried to hook him up with Brina, but she wasn't even having it. She had developed this massive crush on Cordell. I used to beg Jason to sweat him about asking her out. On occasion, we would all hang out together at the mall or the ice skating rink in the Omni International Hotel. I hate the fact they closed the rink down some years ago. I would love for Jason and me to take the kids there and reminisce about the good old days. Cordell and Brina did eventually hit it off. Thank goodness. She was getting on my last nerve worrying about who else he might be possibly liking. I hated it when Jason traveled to away games because I didn't have any way to tag along. I thought about pleading my way onto the cheerleading squad, even though I had no interest in it, just so I could be with him. I wanted to take things further, but Jason was content with kissing and grinding with our clothes on. That night on the porch, I just knew he was experienced. He fooled my ass, but good. Part of me was elated because that meant Chandler couldn't throw having sex with him up in my face. I was growing more and more frustrated. The more Jason refused my sexual advances, the more obsessed I became with getting him to go all the way. He would let the kissing get hot and heavy, and then just get up and leave me panting despondently on the couch. I began to wonder if something was wrong with me. Most boys his age were all about trying to get some so they could brag about it to their friends, but not Jason. He wasn't having any part of climbing up inside my sugary walls. I was willing to deal with it, yearning coochie and all, until Brina called me on the phone after 1am one Saturday night. Brina, why are you calling me so late? I whispered into the headset, trying not to rouse my mother. My mother will have a fit if she wakes up. That's what you have your own phone line for, doofus. She laughed, but I didn't see a damn thing funny. Brina, what is it? Is something wrong, sis? Is it your mother? No, she isn't even here, Brina said sarcastically. She's probably sitting on a bar stool somewhere wrapping one of those ugly-ass men she keep bringing up in here. I didn't know what to say about that one, so I changed the subject. Well, what's wrong then? Nothing's wrong, Zoe, she chuckled. In fact, everything is just spantacular. I sat up and turned on a lamp on my nightstand. Okay, now that I'm completely lost, care to enlighten me? We did it! She screamed in my ear. Did what, damn it? 
Cordell and I did the nasty, the wild thing, the hoochie coochie. Uh-uh, you lying, I yelled out, no longer caring about waking my mother up. Tell me you lying. Confess. Shit, I'm not lying, she giggled. We did it, and it was good. You and Cordell had sex? I was finding this shit hard to comprehend. Jason and I had been together for months and had never even gotten naked. Here this chica was calling me up bragging on dick and they had only been dating a couple weeks. Boy, did we. I had to go, Brina. I can't describe my feelings, but I was hurt and didn't feel like talking anymore. Zoe, wait. I want to tell you all the details, blow by blow, or should I say lick by lick? <laughs> that did it. Brina, I'll call you tomorrow. Later. With that, I hung up the phone. I knew I was wrong for that. There she was, excited, wanting to share her first sexual experience with me, and I totally dissed her. I couldn't help myself. I cried myself to sleep, light on and all, wondering why in the world Brina could get some loving and I couldn't. The next day, I went outside and sat on the stoop, sporting a pair of black sunglasses, a black turtleneck, and black jeans like I was in mourning. I even had on black socks. Jason came out of his door a few minutes later and headed across the street to join me. He was eating a hostess chocolate cupcake and offered me half of it before he sat down. No thanks, I mumbled under my breath, not even wanting to acknowledge him. He sat down on the stoop beside me, inquiring, What's wrong with you? You love chocolate cupcakes. I'm not hungry right now is all, I replied, looking down at his feet and noticing out on a new pair of white pumas. Ah, uh, I get it now. It's that time of the month, huh? I pulled my sunglasses down slightly so I could snarl at him and roll my eyes. Why do you care if it's that time of the month? It's not like we do anything. Jason cleared his throat and started fidgeting. He polished out the rest of the cupcake and pretended to be enthralled in a squirrel climbing the oak tree in my front yard. You know about Cordell and Brenda having sex last night, don't you? He asked, finally breaking the silence. Damn, Brenda was telling the truth. Cordell told you? Yeah, he called me early this morning to brag about it. How dare he spread Brina's business around like that, I barked, automatically going into my protective mode. Damn, he's almost as bad as you. Hold up now. Didn't Brina call and tell you? You don't seem too surprised. I tried to hold back a smile, realizing I was in essence calling the kettle black. Maybe she did. What of it? These kids? I mean, in all of these books, I have yet to read a book. I've, I've read a couple books. I'll read one for y'all. Where the kids actually talk like kids. These kids talk like adults. Like, that's the one thing about adults writing kids' books. It's like the man and the lion walking through the forest. And the man was like, yeah, men are stronger than lions. It's written in all of the books. And the lion was like, well, if lions could fucking write, it would be a different fucking story, wouldn't it? If children could write and were actually able to get their books published because people took them seriously, it would read a lot differently. These kids read like adults. They talk like adults. And given the whole sexual nature of what's happening, it's kind of off-putting. How can you be mad at Cordell for telling me when Brenna told you? Hell, she probably called you the second he left her place to spill the beans. At least he waited until this morning to call me. Wow, Jason read Brenna's ass like a book. I looped my arm around his. Baby, when are we going to do it? Really? He pulled his arm away from mine. Zoe, I told you I'm not ready to go all the way. I want us to wait. Wait how long? Till we're 50 years old? I could tell he was pissed. He started huffing and biting his fingernails. Don't be so ridiculous. Are you such a freak that you can't wait until the time is right? Freak? 
I started to slap him but caught myself. I was trying to make a sincere effort to lay off the violence. How can I be a freak if I don't do anything freaky? Okay, so freak is bad, but hoochie is okay. Hood rat, hood rat, hoochie mama is fine, but freak is out of bounds. Cool. Well, maybe you should call Muhammad's ass up. Oh, no, he didn't even go there. Well, maybe I should. He's a real man. He wants my body, unlike you, I said, telling a bold-faced lie. Muhammad wouldn't even give me the tongue, rather less a dick. Jason stood up, probably just so he could look down his nose at me. You don't know what the hell I want, Zoe. You don't know a damn thing about me. And Chandler does, huh? Chandler didn't ever ride my back like you're doing, that's for sure. I was hyperventilating, trembling, and on the verge of an explosion. Just get the hell out of my face, Jason. He stood there and stood there and stood there. I thought I told you to get out of my face. Did I stutter? So what are you saying, Zoe? Hell, I had no clue what I was saying. How dare he ask me that? Are you breaking up with me? That was when I made the stupidest move I ever made in my entire life. I said, yes, I am. He walked away from me and left me sitting there, feeling dumb. The next day, he got back with Chandler. The following week, I got back with Muhammad out of retaliation, and the farce continued for two years. I made feeble attempts to get Jason back, but he wasn't even going for it. I haven't broke down, gave him a heartfelt apology, and asked if we could ever at least be friends. He told me to go be friendly with Muhammad. I never did anything sexual with Muhammad. He was still fronting on the dick. I wasn't too upset because I was in love with Jason Raynard, and there were no two bones about it. I just dated Muhammad to try and make Jason jealous. Brina and some of the other girls discovered a hole in the wall of the locker room, and they used to peek through it to get dangling sightings. I couldn't have cared less until one day, Brina yelled out that she could see Jason's ass. I knocked her on the floor like I was a linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons. I peeked through a hole and started salivating, praying he would turn around so I could see his other part. Our gym teacher, Mrs. Price, interrupted me, though, and delivered a serious tongue lashing when she discovered what I was up to. Now, 5011 girls have been looking through that hole for weeks, and no one got caught. As soon as I take a glance, I get cold busted. Ain't that a bitch? Well, you know, Brenda yelled for you, and then you completely bowled her over like a fucking linebacker. It's not surprising. So there it is. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com. 
for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, you say.